Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of How I'd Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Prepare yourselves this morning, ladies and gentlemen, for a shopping spree. As of the 15th of June, you'll be able to buy a pair of trousers. You might even be able to buy a shirt. You'll be able to buy some furniture. And if you want to, you can even buy a car if you so wish. The lockdown is easing even as we speak. And as Spain and Greece prepare to welcome holidaymakers this summer, it's starting to look like there might finally be a pathway out of this particular horror show. Yesterday saw one of the more remarkable days in the world of politics and in the world of the coronavirus lockdown scenario. Um, The massed ranks of Her Majesty's Press piled on a very calm and measured Dominic Cummings, despite the death rates reducing, despite the infection rate decreasing, despite government announcements on the lifting of the lockdown. These bozos from Her Majesty's Press are still insisting that the government's chief advisor is the story. And even after he explained in perfectly understandable terms what he had done, when he had done it, and where it had all happened, they still wanted more. More details, more apologies, more regrets, more recriminations. At one point, the fiasco became so farcical that Dominic Cummings was being asked about petrol stations, the woods, and going to the toilet. The depth to which journalism in this country has sunk is really quite something to behold. Meanwhile, there is still no apology from the Mirror or the Guardian for getting it completely wrong, uh, particularly with regard uh, to the phantom witness who claims to have seen him in Durham when he says he was actually not there at all. I've got one question for you all this morning. Do you wish to be governed by the party and the people that you elected to run this country by a massive margin? Or do you want to be told what to do by the three stooges? And by that I mean Robert Peston, Laura Kunzberg and Beth Rigby, 0344 499 1000. This story should be done and dusted today. We'll speak to Tim Montgomery this morning to finally put it to bed, and then we can all get on with the real news, can't we? 0344 499 1000 is the number. We'll be talking to travel guru Simon Calder about the possibility of a holiday abroad, possibly in Greece or Spain in July, and he'll bring us the latest from the airline business about when you'll be able to get on a plane again. Plus, we'll be hearing from our friends uh, all over the place in all sorts of different parts of the world, from Spain to Greece uh, to Norway to Japan to South Korea. We'll be bringing you up to date on everything that's happening around the world. And as for our homeschooling section today, I'm going to be learning how to do origami. I mean, somebody's got a sense of humour around here because the idea of me folding up little tiny pieces of paper with these hands, I mean, really? You really think that's going to go well? I don't. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Let us begin today with a conversation with Tim Montgomery, founder of Conservative Home, Conservative commentator, of course, a man who over the past several days uh, has been calling for the resignation of Dominic Cummings. Tim, I assume you've changed your mind now. Very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. Well, look, I would be a very happy citizen of your republic, Mike, I think, generally. I would be a very happy citizen. But I'm afraid um, we do disagree on this one. And um, you always hate disagreeing with people on the sort of same side of the of the big Not issues. Not at all. But um, I, I, don't think, um, I don't think the press are the problem here. You say, you know, oh, we shouldn't be obeying the orders and the dictates of the three stooges. I don't, I don't think that's the issue at all. I think on this occasion, the media have been asking the questions that the public have, want, have wanted asked and 
wanted Dominic Cummings to answer. Um, you know, th- this has all been so repeated over the last few days. So, you know, it's difficult to say anything new. But the fact is, Dominic Cummings set the rules that so many of us have abided by over recent weeks. Now, I think some of those rules were silly, but they were the rules. People lived by them. Uh, they, they didn't see bereaved, you know, dying relatives. Uh, they've kept their children at school, often at, you know, massive inconvenience. And yet you have the Prime Minister's advisor flouting those rules without apology or without any real sense of humility. So, no, I do think it's a big issue. And I was glad that the press did their job yesterday. They were certainly representing me, Mike. Well, you may say that, Tim, but first of all, I would take issue with two things that you've said. You say he flouted the rules. He didn't flout the rules. He explained in quite very simple to understand terms that when you have a child for whom you are concerned, who is clearly vulnerable at the age of four, you are allowed a little bit of leeway. As he says, we are not living in a world where every single institution uh, and every single thing that you do is governed by the uh, the rules of lockdown. There is room for, for, for interpretation and in his case that's what he did. And I refuse to accept that he broke the rules and I also refuse to accept that the press who have become fixated with Dominic Cummings, as you well know, for the, for the best part of the last four to five months. I mean, the Sunday Times has been relentlessly, you know, publishing stories about him without any attribution. Much of what was written about his trips to Durham, certainly the second trip, is wrong. They still haven't retracted that from the Mirror and the Guardian. Uh, in fact, as late as 11 o'clock last night, Pippa Carrera still had that tweet pinned to the top of her Twitter yeah, feed. You know, comment. there have been mistakes yeah. made and there have been allegations made which have not been retracted. And I think he has a very good point when he says part of the reason people are angry is because they've read stories about him which aren't true do you ever remember a government minister appearing at those famous those downing street lecterns now that have become so famous mike and saying if you do need to drive 200 miles across the country to be with someone for a special reason you know please do it because i don't remember them saying anything like that i remember them saying yeah they also the didn't say if you wish to if, again and oh, hang again. on but they also didn't say if you wish to put sugar in your tea please go ahead and do so you know we are oh, not living that, that, that's silly the, no it's the, not the, silly the overall, the overall message was absolutely clear stay at home we were told it again and again and again so let me ask you this another question sorry i don't know whether i'm turning the tables no no please do you're but, more than welcome but, but Mary Wakefield, Dominic Cummings' um, wife, yeah. um, wrote a piece in The Spectator a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. in which, very movingly, she described some of the agonies that that family had been through yeah. while they both suffered from COVID. Not one mention of going up to Durham. Not one mention right. of going up, you know, 200-odd and miles. And he explained that. And, that, and, that, and that's because they were embarrassed. No, not they at all. Knew no, he were. explained. No, come on, Tim. He, you watched the press conference yesterday. He explained that. He was asked about that. Why was Durham never mentioned? He said quite clearly, and you would understand if you've seen the scenes outside of his house, which are quite frankly disgraceful, run by disgraceful. this ghastly yeah, organisation called Led by Donkeys, people shouting in the street. I mean, imagine yeah. with a four-year-old child walking out of that house every morning to be greeted by that, right? He said quite, quite correctly, I did not wish to give away the fact that I was in another location because all Already, even his parents have been now doorstep by Sky. They've had people turning up, shouting at them. You know, we live yeah. in a very toxic and nasty culture these days. Well, look, that, that was, you know, the, the scenes that uh, we've seen outside uh, the house of Dominic and Mary Wakefield, you know, are horrible. I readily concede. And I'm certainly not going to defend every action of the press. But what I don't get with you is you're seeing this in very black and white terms. And I think... Absolutely not. Dominic, Dominic Cummings' um, case... There's an awful lot of black there as well as white, a lot of misdeeds as well as understandable actions. And the fact was, he, the fact that there's back to that Spectator article, I do think it matters. Um, he was safely returned to London when that article was written, and yet Durham wasn't mentioned. He was hiding yeah, the reality. Well, not of really, what he because did. if you because would, if he you knew that he was wrong. No, I'm that's afraid. not true. I think I think far too much um, sort of detail is, tr- is is being attempted to be eked out by those people in the media who I can tell you very very correctly are completely secretive. I mean, does Beth Brigham have a second home? Does Robert Peston have a second home? I bet they all do. I bet they've been to them. I bet they've got. 
gone to them? We will never find out because they'll never tell us. But I wouldn't accuse them of being secretive. People have things that they keep to themselves. I, for example, have been working every single day uh, of the week in the office at News UK. Now, you might say to me, I have broken the lockdown rules because I should have been working from home. But actually, I'm, a t- I'm allowed to work from here because it says quite clearly that I'm a key worker, as I'm sure Dominic Cummings is a key worker because he's in the government. And I'm therefore allowed to travel every day to work, which is what I do in my car with my producer. And then I go home again. Now, if you wanted to pin me out and get Robert Peston on my case and ask me some long winded 35 minute question, I'm sure that he might somehow get something out of that and accuse me uh, of breaking the rules. But I haven't broken the rules because the rules are bendable. Well, they are they are bendable to some extent, and I think everyone will uh, try and interpret the rules in the, the kindest possible way. But to travel all the way across the country, and you know, you, Mike, even you must concede that the idea that you go on a sixty-mile round trip to test your eyesight was really stretching the bounds of. Uh, I, 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 I agree that that's a bit weird. However, I mean, I, I mean, I personally, I personally did not see my own children for seven to eight weeks because I didn't think it was a good idea to drive, uh, funnily enough, about an eighty-mile round trip into Sussex and back to see them. I made that sacrifice. I'm willing to do that. I'm not expecting everybody to do that, and I think, understandably, what Dominic Cummings did uh, is not is not wrong i don't i don't feel any anger towards him i don't know these people who do feel anger towards him i don't know uh, you know yesterday for example sky news were up in uh, castle whatever it's called uh, saying oh yes we haven't found anybody here who supports dominic cummings but everybody's very angry they didn't have anyone to interview they had nobody on camera saying that they were angry well that that may be the case but the opinion polls that um yougov have put out and i'm sure you agree yougov is a very reputable pollster up to a point no, had- topper <laughs> over two thirds of the people <laughs> thinking that the you know that the prime minister's senior advisor had broken the rules, and whether you know we're going to continue to disagree on whether he broke the rules yeah. or not. But when you have a massive perception out there amongst the public that the prime minister didn't obey the rules that most people have been trying to live by, that's a big problem because one of the most important qualities a government has during a pandemic is its authority, the trust in the words that it, that it says, that the Prime Minister, that ministers say at, that, at those lecterns. And so, at the very least, this has been a media management disaster. You know, if Dominic Cummings had said what he said yesterday, you know, two days earlier, you know, we might have got through this uh, messy, grubby affair a lot more quickly. Mm. But this, is another, but this is another problem, Tim, isn't matter. it? In a, competence does matter in a government as well. They have mishandled this, as well as the fundamental issue of you know what went on in the, in, the, in, in Dominic Cummings' trip to Durham, etc. But I disagree entirely with everything you said because what you're basically endorsing, Tim, which surprises me about a man of your intellect, is that you're saying it's all very well for the Three Stooges to cook up an entire media storm around false accusations, around misinformation, around a kind of technique and a bullying style of journalism to basically catch a guy out and say that because you're now the story, you have to go. I think that's nonsense. Dominic Cummings is a key part of this government. I believe he has many, many more contributions to make. And to lose him over something as trivial as this, I think, is a nonsense. Well, if you want to look at bullying, I'm afraid Dominic Cummings' behaviour towards the media has hardly been well, don't um, blame him. warm over, I don't warm blame over him. the years. Um, and I'm afraid the media are probably getting a little bit of revenge. Yes, uh, in, but there's in, more in at this. stake and, here, Tim, surely. That's, un- that's, that's unattractive. Look, if you want to discuss with me the qualities of the British media and some of the way that the British media behave, I'll largely be on your side, mm. uh, Mike. But I'm not on the side of how Dominic Cummings has behaved. And I don't think most of your listeners who stayed at home and done the right thing over the last couple of months against their better judgment. I think the lockdown has been far too onerous. I'm glad it's being lifted, but I stayed at home as well. I've, I've you know, not suffered in any extreme way, but I've been absent from, from loved ones. And I think the fact that uh, Dominic Cummings felt that he couldn't get childcare in London, which seems to me ridiculous. And it's has not to ridiculous in the, the lockdown. It's was not. Indefensible. 
Because, I mean, one of the things that people have been saying, and I know you have to run, so I'm going to keep this short. One of the things that people have been saying is, why didn't he stay where he was? Why didn't he seek help from the local council? Well, excuse me, one, I would not, as a parent, entrust any of my children to any local council in this country because of the way that they've behaved. I certainly would not entrust them uh, to a council who are already under an awful lot of strain and pressure because of the fact that they can't cope with all the people they're already looking after. So under those circumstances, you know, he decided to go to the safest place he knew, which was the bosom of his family's farm where he knew there was a separate dwelling where he could isolate himself and that's what he did under the law he didn't break it they said first of all he broke the law which they didn't then they said uh, he broke the rules then then they said oh he didn't he broke the spirit of the rules i mean come on well there certainly have been examples of things said by the media that are false and of course the media haven't apologized and they never apologize that is wrong but I just wish Dominic Cummings hadn't descended to the same standards of the media. OK, Tim, thank you very much indeed. Tim Montgomery, founder of Conservative Home, uh, conservative commentator, of course. Uh, a man who uh, has a lot of interesting things to say. I disagree with him entirely on this. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've got lots more coming up. Simon Calder is going to join us uh, in the last hour of the show to talk us through what is going on in Spain and Greece. Spain uh, saying that they're going to drop their quarantine rules uh, in July. Greece is already saying they want people to come and start having holidays there. Uh, let's find out whether we can go on holiday anytime soon because we're all going to need one fairly soon after all this is over. I have to tell you that. Let's talk to Stuart Jackson now, though, who is a former MP, of course, uh, former special advisor to David Davis as well. Stuart, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Now, I'm hoping against hope that you've somehow managed to get over the ghastly tragedy of uh, uh, the resignation of Douglas Ross, a man uh, of whom I had heard nothing before this moment uh, and who I expect to hear nothing from again, ever. I'm coping. It's traumatic, (laughs) Mike, but but I'm I'm getting through it. Yeah, apparently he's a referee. Maybe you can go back and do a bit of that up in Scotland. Well, the thing is, I mean, I've got to say about Douglas Ross, when he got a lot of stick for, uh, you know, missing his parliamentary duties to be refereeing football matches. Mm. You know, a lot of his colleagues rallied round and stuck up for him. And good luck to him. You know, he was re-elected in Murray again. Uh, I just think this is pointless, frankly. You know, we we need to move on. Uh, Does does Douglas Ross want to be in the same camp as Alistair Campbell? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I see Alistair Campbell lecturing the government about integrity and ethics... I said, as I said on Twitter, it's sickening, isn't it? It's like being lectured on the Hippocratic Oath by Harold Shipman. Yeah. I mean, this this guy, his his name is synonymous with mendacity yeah. and and devious dishonesty in government, mm. and he's lecturing Boris Johnson. I mean, it's ludicrous. I just think we've got to move on because, frankly. You know, there's a lot of good news coming. We're reopening schools. We're reopening shops. We're doing three million tests. We're getting track and tracing going. We're rebooting the economy. We've saved the NHS. We've got ICU beds that are nowhere near capacity. We've got enough PPE and ventilators now. Let's look on the positive side. You know, no one cares, frankly, about... Dominic no, out there. I thought Boris Johnson was brilliant last night because, you know, the idea that the three stooges, as I call them, of uh, Beth Rigby, Laura Kunzberg and Robert Peston spend an entire hour and plus asking Dominic Cummings practically what colour underwear he's wearing and which uh, you know petrol station he might have stopped at and how many miles per gallon his car does, right? They then asked Boris Johnson the same questions and I thought, all credit to him for saying, look, you've had all that, that's all gone. Let's talk about what actually is happening now in government. I mean, as, 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 as Dominic said yesterday, you know, the Prime Minister's time is very precious and he should not have to waste it in front of these bozos uh, who can't ask him a question that's worth a fag end. Well, it's not just that, Mike. It's um, it's a coordinated response, isn't mm. it? You only have to look at these weirdy, beardy bishops. I know you had a go at them the other yes. day. You know, I'm an Anglican. I go to church. I love the Church of England, but I'm embarrassed by this mm. nonsense, this coordinated approach, you know, this synthetic rage. Let's call it out for what it is. Whatever Cummings has done, and, you know, it's questionable... You could make the case that he broke the rules. I don't think. He I don't did. think he, he did. Certainly didn't. He didn't break the law. No. Uh, he didn't breach social distancing rules. This is what it is. This mass hysteria. It's Brexit payback. Yeah. It's about taking out a key person, weakening Boris, weakening the government, extending Brexit transition, and undermining Brexit. That's mm. what it is. That's why you've got all these people 
who are on the same side, like Lady Nuji in Islington South, no. cheering on the idiots and thugs uh, who are uh, you know, displaying antisocial behaviour against Cummings and his family. Yeah. It's shocking. It really is. It's I mean, when you see what's going on outside his house, it is actually quite criminal what is going on. And if I were him, I mean, you know, all credit to him for not just giving up and chucking it all in and saying, you know what, this is not worth it for me and my family and my four-year-old child, you know, getting harassed and jostled, carrying a child into a house from the car. It's quite disgraceful. Well, it's not just that, is it? It's, it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, that that is right. That it's like a banana republic, mm. you know. That people like him, who are in the public space, actually could earn more in the private sector, like a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they are being abused, physically threatened. Their family feel. I mean, I've been through this in the expenses scandal. I've been through everything. I've been through the expenses scandal. I've been through other stuff. It's yeah. frightening mm. and nasty, particularly, and I had it a little bit in the expenses scandal, as did a lot of MPs, when your neighbours turn on you and they tittle-tattle to the media. That That's pretty nasty. It's like those creepy people that dobbed in Boris when he had an argument with yeah, yeah. Carrie Simmons in, in his place. Mm. It's, it's not nice. And frankly, you know, for Sky TV to be doorstepping his elderly parents in County Durham. Yeah. It's just lower than low. You know, have some self-respect and decency, guys. Yeah. There's a job to do in the media, but you don't want to be scraping the barrel. No, there's plenty of questions that could be asked. I mean, I'm often asked by people uh, on this show uh, and also on social media, well, what would you ask them then? You know, I could give you a list of about 10 questions that I would ask Boris Johnson right now if I was put in front of him, none of which would be about Dominic Cummings, none of which would be about whether he has any rows with Carrie Simmons, all of which would be information-based and useful to people so that when you get to the, to ask politicians questions, you're able to give information to people which is which is useful to them. Yeah, people want to know how's track and tracing going to work? Yeah. How's it going on the Isle of Wight? How many are we going to have tested by the end of June? Mm. Uh, are we going to be able to go, uh, do we have to do a staycation on our holiday in July or August, or can we go abroad? Can we start commuting to our jobs in cities and, and big towns? You know, can we see our elderly relatives? As I say, I, you know, I've got an elderly father in his mid-80s. I, I want to know, does he really need to stay in another six weeks mm. and go out and not go out at all? These are the issues, not not whether Dominic Cummings sat by the river in, in uh, Castle Barnard mm. or Barnard Castle in County Durham. Right. No one's interested in that. There's, there's 66 million people who want to get their life back. And this is just a, a bubble story that, we just need to move on from. Yes, and I'm hopeful that in the coming days that will happen because as I assume uh, a normal, as normal there will be a press briefing this afternoon, uh, I think the government should re- refuse to take any more questions about Dominic Cummings as Boris did last night and just get on with the business of governing the country and get on with the business of opening up the shops and opening up the schools and telling us what's going to happen after that and, and making sure that people are confident uh, in the economy returning, surely. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing you've touched on it is people like Beth Rigby, and I know Beth Rigby, and I know Laura Koonsberg, and in many ways they are very professional at the top of their game, but they need to think hard about why they're at 31% in public approval Mm. below everyone else, including politicians. It's because of this uh, incessant gotcha politics, Mm. you know, You've made a gaffe. You've made a U-turn. You know, why are people taking any notice of you? Because you're inherently wicked and terrible. People are not stupid. They can see through that agenda. They do want answers. They they want proper questions asked. And actually, you know, I would say this, but I think the government has done not a stellar job, but but this is unprecedented what they've had to Mm. do. They have helped with a lot of good people out there to save the NHS by their decisions. They've made some mistakes, I accept, but it could have been a lot worse from where we are now. Mm. And what about all these weasels in the Tory party uh, who have offered to uh, uh, to get Cummings out? These are the same people who have refused for two days in a row to come on this show and defend themselves and to say why they believe that Cummings should go. Uh, what about them? Well, there's a few people who are disappointed that they haven't been given ministerial office a few people. I mean, the, the Tory party in Parliament is like the rest of the world, mad, bad and sad. Mm. You know, a lot of good people, a lot of fantastic local MPs. But if you look at a lot of those people, um, they're, they're disappointed, the Boris haters, 
Um, you know, I one particular guy uh, that w- that's been all over the media this week. Mm. Um, he's been in Parliament over thirty years. I won't name him. Yeah, I know. But he's he, he's he's a um, Boris hater. He actually heckled Boris when Boris gave his valedictory speech mm. when he stepped down as Foreign Secretary in Parliament. Yeah. You know, these people. Uh, don't like Boris. They can't see through the red mist. And, you know, it's very unfortunate. But, you know, parties are families. Families fall out. Parties in Parliament fall out. But it will pass. I've seen this squall before in the media. Things will pass and people will start to focus on a better future. Schools reopening, rebooting the economy, businesses working again and getting back to normal. Sure. Stuart, appreciate your time. Thanks very much indeed. Stuart Jackson, former Tory MP, of course, former special advisor as well to David Davis, talking an awful lot of sense. Uh, this story needs to uh, be basically put a, put a stop to. There's no more story. Dominic Cummings is no longer uh, the focus of anybody's attention outside of the Westminster bubble. Uh, and pretty soon, I'm going to stop talking about it as well. This is Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Welcome back uh, to the greatest show on the radio and the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Let's talk to Simon Calder, uh, our good friend from The Independent, uh, the man who knows all there is to know about quarantine rules, about uh, travel around the world uh, and much else besides. Simon, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Um, great to talk to you and I hope you are well and happy. And yes, um, great celebrations. Viva España. Yes. Uh, uh, we will all be able to go there from the 1st of July onwards, which we kind of knew already because they made lots and lots of indications. Of course, the big um, uh, elephant in the quarantine room is that uh, you and I, uh, when we go off to sunny Spain, we'll have to come back and then spend two weeks in the same room, um, self-isolating from everybody else. Yes. Uh, and and um, that will take the dampers off um, even a holiday with you, Mike, I must well, say. Well, I must say, I mean, even I would uh, not particularly enjoy uh, locking myself up for two weeks on, even even on my own uh, to be <laughs> honest you know because uh, one of the things that I've had luckily uh, been able to do during this uh, lockdown is that I've been able to come to work every day uh, in the News UK studios because I am um, an essential worker they call me uh, because I'm doing the, uh, the the live stream on TV from here and so if I'd had to work from home I think I probably would have gone completely stark staring bonkers mad it doesn't take much you know but we've just been talking to a colleague over in uh, Greece as well because they look as if they're inviting people to come but at the moment they're talking about having a different sort of set of rules for people coming from places where there's not much coronavirus like Scandinavia uh, from Norway for example and Denmark and then Spain and Italy probably more uh, rules in place in terms of testing people when they get there. Uh, yeah, um, we are very, very much not on the A list, not on the B list in the case of Cyprus. Um, yeah, they are prioritising different uh, uh, countries depending on how well they see that they have coped with the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So if you look, for example, particularly at the Mediterranean islands, um, Cyprus has drawn up an A list and a B list of who they want. Um, we don't appear on either. Uh, Malta has um, uh, its own a list it hasn't come up with a a b list or further since then Mm. but we're definitely not wanted on that however there is some good news mike because Mm. we can go to croatia on friday evening really Um, just before the bank holiday i spoke to the director of croatia tourism and she said yep 
Uh, anybody over you come no problem at all uh just That'd be great just, for me because i haven't been there since the war <laughs> <laughs> which war mike the, um, the the war in the balkans back oh, in the 90s okay fine. i was i, I was i, I, I flew you. into i flew into split uh via uh, rome on a very nice alitalia flight uh, yeah. and i then had to get myself into a non-bulletproof larder and yes. drive it up the hill to oh. a place called vitesse which yeah. had only just been attacked by a massive suicide bomb Oh my goodness! So you know, terrible, I mean, you you travel times. guys, you think you have it rough when yep. you have to spend a week in the Yemen. You know, I was a month in Bosnia, the central Bosnian um, part of the world, where people were getting shot dead uh, just for going to get petrol. Oh, absolutely awful! But, so I would like to go back under better yeah. circumstances because well, the, coast, sure. the coastline in Croatia is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Oh, it, it certainly is, and the great thing is that this covers everywhere from kind of the uh, the northern border with Slovenia yes. and the wonderful Istrian Peninsula down through the great, great towns. And I must say, Split, when it's not having a war, is brilliant. Um, and you've got all the wonderful islands along the coast as well, and then further south, of course, Dubrovnik, the um, uh, oh, yes. the, the, the great star of, of Croatia. Croatia. Um, it's an absolutely gorgeous place, and they will have us back. Uh, the they, they say all you need is a, an accommodation reservation, just proof that you are going to be staying in uh, Croatia, and that's great. And really? you come over here now. And so, said, what, what about the, are the hotels all opening up then? And is the, is the villa? Yep. What's the villa business like in? Um, oh, in I Croatia? imagine it's a bit slow at the moment, but uh, but picking up, no doubt. And uh, that's a you know, really good reason actually for requiring accommodation, because mm. the last thing you want is a whole bunch of people um, showing up if there aren't enough. Um, uh, beds to go well, around. that's right. And I mean, also, we've been quickly. having conversations about this in the family, talking about, you know, endless sort of destinations, because we, we do quite like the odd holiday. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering, I don't want to alarm anybody, but it would be sensible probably for us more to go to a villa where there's likely to be less people than to go to a hotel where there's likely to be more. Uh, yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that the uh, there's going to be an awful lot of people who are thinking, yeah, self-catering, that's what I like, and yeah. villas, and, and indeed camping and caravanning. Those are very good ways of um, isolating. Uh, so I think... I'm not going to be... go, go that mad. Well, uh, okay. I mean, you won't get me in a tent, I'm afraid, Simon. Well, uh, <laughs> I shall see this as a personal <laughs> challenge, Mike. Um, not that, unless that... it's one of those big ones they do in Africa when you go on safari. Ah, uh, well. Um, so, yes, uh, there, there will be, yeah, people will be much more, I think, uh, attracted to places where they can effectively just transfer their household from here to there. But obviously, there's an awful lot that needs to happen before mm. you can do that. Um, test one. Um, are you able to get legally to an airport here? No, you're not. Right. Or, or a seaport or a... Uh, international railway station test two does the foreign office advise against all but essential travel yes it still does anywhere indefinitely abroad right um third test is there going to be a plane to get you there well um the nice lady at the uh, croatian tourist board said yeah all you've got to do is fly out of heathrow get to um, frankfurt and then you can connect from there to croatia okay um, so no so ryanair and, and easyjet don't go to split or anything oh they, they will be but not not until july okay uh, nobody's flying there from the uk at the moment right. test four does the destination want you and most of them do um croatia is going to be first there is a kind of arms race i'm playing um lock down holiday bingo mm. so croatia is the first number to come up um, then you've got uh italy is going to be there portugal very very far ahead apart from um, madeira and right. the azores um we, we're going to see uh, obviously spain france i think despite coming up with this ah, oh, if you're going to have quarantine we're going to quarantine yes. you um they're not very serious about it they think it has zero um uh, medical benefits right. they just um, they're just doing it because we are doing oh it so are them. they not doing that at the moment or are they no they they just say, um, basically, we think quarantine's a stupid idea. Right. But if you're going to do it, then so are we. Yeah. The reason and I ask you that question is a friend of mine, um, when they opened up ferry bookings again, has booked to go to France uh, because uh, he's got a house there. Um, and he's booked the, the, the ferry for something like, the, I think, the, maybe the second week of June, which is Ooh. when the quarantine's meant to kick in. Mm. And he's a bit unsure now what to do. Yeah, okay, well, in, in terms the quarantine that the French are applying, from everything I understand, is not uh, anything like as serious as our quarantine. The French are basically just saying, as far and, and forgive me, it's all in French and my translation is not mm. as good as it could be, but they seem to be saying, yep, we will we will insist that you spend two weeks on in self isolation if that's all right with you. Right. But actually if you've got you know, if it's if it's if it doesn't if you don't really fancy it, if you've got a you know good reason not to do it or if you if just you've got to yeah, pop out to the supermarket. Yeah, then actually yeah we, we'll quite understand. But yeah, if 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 uh, all other things being equal, why don't you go and self isolate? 
isolate. Yes. Um, and I don't think they expect people to take it seriously, but it's just, you know, diplomatic. Well, they're not great on rules, are they, the French? I mean, they, 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 like, they like sort of saying things, but they don't really like doing anything. Oh, well, I think that's possibly I would put that in the um, uh, generalisation thing. Well, I that's mean, what we do. Been, that's they, what they, we do here <laughs> at the Independent Republic. We make generalisations. Um, no, they, they, uh, I think they would say that they've, they've been pretty, um, pretty sharp on, uh, on their lockdown, which is why they can unlock now. I'm, I'm not speaking Sure. No, listen, I'm not, speak, I'm not um, speaking generally about yeah. the, um, uh, the, yeah, the lockdown no, scenario, lockdown, but, but I mean, general, famously, yeah. General de Gaulle, uh, yeah. One said, how would you expect a nation to be in any way united uh, when they have something like 26,000 different varieties of cheese? Yes. You know, I mean, this is a country which uh, prides itself on uh, not following the herd and basically doing whatever it likes. Yes, exactly. Anyway, uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about the quarantine going into France and, right. and neither for, uh, going to Spain or to any other country, even though they have quarantine rules and some parts. So Madeira says 14 days quarantine. And that's because it's an island, right. a special case. Um, the, what are you expecting price-wise, by the way, from all of these places? Are you listen, expecting fact, them to be low or high? Uh, initially, just to get people on planes, the airfares are spectacularly low. So oh. Manchester to uh, Amsterdam where, uh, on the 1st of July, it's less than 50 quid return. You can get from Edinburgh to, to Lisbon for about 60 quid return. Wow. Um, they are just putting in silly prices in order to get people on planes and to get us travelling again. And the idea is that uh, you know, you'll come back, say, well, that was fantastic, and you'll tell me, and I'll think, oh, I can go abroad. Because mm. at the moment, there is a huge amount of anxiety about people travelling abroad, as you will completely understand, yes. I imagine. Well, I think people are slightly concerned about what happens when they're there. You know, for example, are they covered by insurance? You and I have spoken about this before. Um, they may not be able to be covered for everything. What happens if for something, you know, some reason, you know, the, the lockdown sort of reappears because of, yes. a, of a second peak or something. Well, while they're away back here in Britain, the lock the lockdown gets hardened again and they can't get back. I think that's those are the kind of things that people worry about. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I, and I could kind of go through all of those anxieties and mm. try to assuage them, in particular the last one. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're British and you want to come home, you, there's no possibility that the UK will not let you in. But okay. obviously, along with everybody else from the 8th of June, you will be expected to self-isolate for two weeks. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that come July, some of that might have been slightly sort of relaxed as well. Well, I uh, far be it from me to say that this is entirely too much too late. And um, at the moment, the government is desperately trying to find ways of getting around it. That's why there's mm. been all this talk of air bridges. Right. Now, it is utterly fatuous to suggest, for example, that um, Germany will say, oh, yes, Britain, because your record is so fantastic, um, <laughs> i.e. six times worse than ours. Right. Yeah, so we'll have a, 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 we won't quarantine your people if you don't quarantine our people. Right. Um, all these is, deals this is another be... reason why I'm so puzzled by these figures that they keep going on about, because at the end of the day, you know, we seem to be measuring figures that nobody else is measuring. And we also seem to be telling people that the numbers are getting higher uh, because of care homes rather than because of uh, the actual infections on the street. Our infection rate is now going down. Oh, oh, sure. Look, uh, infection rates are going down, thank goodness, yeah. right across Europe, which is great. And I'm, I'm very worried about the rest of the world, particularly Africa and Latin America. Mm. But in the UK, uh, as, as with everywhere else, the infection rates are going down. Let's hope, let's pray that in a month's time, um, the infection rate will, will be really, really uh, much lower. It will still, though, be higher. And I know international comparisons can't be exact. It will still be considerably higher than um, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece. Um, however, they, I think, will help the Department for Transport, which realises how damaging quarantine will be to uh, thousands of jobs, to some great travel companies. Mm. Um, and they'll sign agreements saying, oh, yeah, here's a here's an air bridge of agreement, even though they've got exactly nothing to gain from it, apart from a whole load of British tourists. No, exactly. um, and, and so I am genuinely saying to people, I, I, um, I will eat, eat you know, my, my hat or any other item of clothing that you choose <laughs> to nominate if we are still looking at anything like quarantine to the most popular destinations by August. The travel industry would just break permanently and uh, it would be an utterly awful outcome. So um, even though the government's in favour of quarantine, the Labour Party is very in favour of quarantine, um, I think that... Uh, 
pretty quickly it will be eased and um, yeah, by July it won't be happening but of course nobody in their right mind is booking trips right now no. because they're thinking well I don't know I'm going to have to stay no. inside for, for two weeks unless I do the so called Dublin Dodge which of course we do not recommend or no. contone. Although I was told the Dublin Dodge wouldn't really work for most people because if you are uh, in, 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 in receipt of some kind of biometric passport it kind of knows where you've been anyway doesn't it? It, it doesn't matter that you've been there so no it, it, it's, it's not a, a of course, you, you can say, oh, yeah, well, before that, I was in Ulaanbaatar, out of Mongolia, but I've just come from D Dublin, and therefore you cannot make me self-isolate. Yes. I mean, we do not recommend it because it increases the amount of contact that you have with people, increases the amount of travel that you have. Right. But um, to say, as Grant Shapps did on Saturday night, it doesn't exist is um, mistaken, I think is the most yes. polite way I would say. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Simon, as ever, thank you very much indeed. Simon Cooler, Travel Editor for The Independent there, giving us the lowdown uh, on lockdown and what exactly you can do in Europe at the moment, which is not very much at all. But it could get better, uh, not later than uh, June the 15th. It could get better, uh, perhaps as early as July. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll let you know. Let's go now, though, uh, very quickly to Madrid, where Rebecca Nunes is there. Uh, she's been out and about checking out what's going on uh, in that part of the world. Rebecca, very good afternoon to you. Welcome back. Hello, lovely to speak to you, Mike. I'm going to give you a good news because uh, you were talking about quarantine. Mm. Um, the government uh, announced this past weekend uh, that they were aiming to reopen for international tourism in July. Um, and yesterday they declared that that 14 day quarantine that, was quarantine that was announced two weeks ago for international travels will stop from the 1st of July. So the quarantine was always going to be a temporary measure that was only going to last while the state of alarm was in place. But um, they said yesterday, so from the 1st of July, international tourism can come in, can come to Spain uh, without having to do that 14 day quarantine. They'll obviously explain more of the details and all of that, but it's a good news if you want to come over. Yeah, well, if the people who are watching on uh, on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter can see uh, a video that you did yesterday uh, of people out and about having uh, drinks, sitting outside uh, in a cafe, it would appear. Um, does the, do these, um, the quarantine rules uh, exist for every part of Spain? Does it include like the Balearic Islands as well and the Canaries or not? Yeah, yeah. So actually, those are the areas that are areas that have been doing a lot better. They are some of the islands already in phase two, which is the images you're seeing right now. Uh, Madrid entered yesterday into phase one. And as I've told you before, uh, well, in phase one, you're allowed to uh, meet up with people of up to 10 people and the terraces reopen. Uh, we could see some terraces still closed. They didn't want to rush reopening without the proper measures in place. So we say, but we saw those that were opening and complying with the, with the instructions given by the government. So you have 50% of capacity and two meters distance between the tables, then gel and all of that. Um, I spoke to some people um, that obviously manage restaurants. Everyone was very happy. I mean, they said it was a lot of work as most terraces were full, but they were happy that they could reopen, could reopen and get back to work and slowly move towards that new normal. OK, and are people warming to the idea they're coming outside, mixing with other people? I can see from the video that there's quite a few people sitting there and, uh, you know, not necessarily that far apart from one another. So um, wearing a face mask is mandatory in Spain as long if you cannot respect... So, indoors if you kind of respect the social distance, the social distancing and out, outdoors as well but you don't have to wear a mask if you can't if you, if you the activity you're doing it can't can't be wearing a mask so for example eating and drinking so you could see people putting it down eating drinking then putting it back up while they were talking so i think we're all just getting used to it and adjusting um, and yeah, we're all moving towards that new normal, that new normal. But I think everyone was very happy yesterday in Madrid that we could actually go out and enjoy terraces and the good weather. 
Fantastic stuff. Rebecca, well, great to see you. Uh, hopefully see you soon, either there or here. Either we'll come to you or you'll come to us. We don't know how it's going to work, but we're definitely going to do it sometime before the summer. Uh, Rebecca Noon's reporting into us from Madrid, uh, where things are heating up, uh, as you can see from the weather, and where people are getting out and about, uh, where the bars and the restaurants are opening up. And some soon, from July, there will be no more quarantine. So you can go on holiday there. The only problem will be getting back here uh, to see what we're doing in this part of the world. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk of Radio. We are now about to speak with Robert Jenrick, the Housing Secretary uh, from the government. Robert, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, good afternoon. Thanks very much for joining us. You've got a, uh, a policy on homelessness that you want to tell us about. 6,000 new supported homes uh, as part of a landmark commitment to end rough sleeping. Absolutely. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were very concerned about the people sleeping rough on our streets. They're obviously naturally very exposed, but also they tend to have respiratory conditions that made them clinically very vulnerable to covid So we set out to get as many of them as possible off the streets and into safer accommodation. More than 90% of people who were sleeping rough at the start of the crisis are now in those temporary uh, hotels and B&Bs. And today we're setting out how we can try to move forward and help more of them into longer term, better, more suitable homes. And we're going to be buying or building 6,000 homes and offering those to people who were previously sleeping rough before coronavirus so that they can begin to rebuild their lives and get the support that they need from a health perspective mm. to become better and healthier. And where will these homes be? Are they a variety of locations or have you got any particular locations in mind for where you want to build them? Uh, they're going to be across the country. Uh, they'll be focused obviously in the places where people were when they were sleeping rough. And that does tend to be our larger cities like London, uh, Manchester, Birmingham. Mm. There are also some other places that have had higher numbers of rough sleepers historically, like Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, So they'll be in those sorts of places, but there'll be accommodation available all across the country so that local councils and charities who are supporting uh, these people who are previously on the streets can help them to get into what's known as move-on accommodation, the next step as you begin to rebuild your life. And so will it be of a limited time frame or will it be something that's kind of open-ended? And obviously people will be asking the question of who's paying for the actual rental or whatever of, of, of while they're living there. Well, the accommodation will exist forever as a kind of national asset for which people who are sleeping rough can be moved into and then be in for a period of time whilst they're having a lot of support and care particularly from a health perspective, because rough sleeping is as much an issue of addiction and mental health as Mm. it is of housing. And then when they're feeling uh, well enough to do so, they'll then be able to move on into more permanent accommodation, either in the private rented sector or social housing um, later on. And these homes will then be able to exist forever as 6,000 homes to help rough sleepers. So when we have people sleeping rough, on the streets in months and years to come, it will be an asset available to everybody to help the next generation, sadly, of people who end up on the streets uh, into better accommodation and to uh, to begin to rebuild their yeah. lives. So when would you expect the first one of these properties to be occupied? Well, very soon. We, we've set an objective that at least half of them will be available in the next year and all of them will be available in the next two years, which is quite a big challenge because we've not only got to source the homes, but also make sure that the right support network is available, because there's no point just asking somebody who might be quite unwell and have been on the streets for some time to be in a home all on their own. What we want to see is somebody move into a home and then have a support worker able to check in on them very regularly, perhaps even as often as every day, uh, for the mental health, the addiction services to be there, and for that person to be given all the support and care that they need Uh, at this time if you get that right then the evidence suggests you can really turn people's lives around and some of the programs that we've been piloting one called the housing first for example has a 90 percent success rate so there's a real potential here for something positive to come out of the present situation and for us to make a big dent in the number of people sleeping rough 
Sure. And as part of the programme, you're giving uh, 9.2 million to Scotland, 5.6 million to Wales, 3.1 million for the Northern Ireland executive. Uh, do you think that might make them a bit more grateful? Uh, well, we, this is one of those challenges where we all just need to work together as a country. Uh, we all share the same good intentions that we want to see far fewer people uh, on the streets of our country at the end of this virus. And having got almost everybody off the streets, it would be a real shame if we failed at this moment and many of those people just drifted back onto the streets. So I know that my opposite numbers in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland share that mission and we're going to work together as a national effort to try to fix this. Sure. Now, I'm sorry to have to ask you this, because I'd rather hope that this story would have gone away, but Dominic Cummings still dominates an awful lot of some of the other news organisations, uh, not ours, I have to say. Douglas Ross, uh, the Scottish uh, minister, resigned this morning. Um, are you expecting to see any other cabinet ministers getting it out of the way? Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm sorry, obviously, to see uh, Douglas resign. I know him well. He's been a good minister. But the cabinet... Uh, and the Prime Minister, fully behind Dominic. He's made a very extensive statement in an unprecedented one for a special advisor. He answered every question that was put to him by the media, explaining the circumstances and the decisions he took. Of course, there are some people who will disagree about those decisions, but I can certainly understand why he made them. The interests he had at heart were his sick wife and his young child, and I hope we can now move forward and devote our energy and time to the things that matter most in the next phase of the virus. Yeah, I mean, I think the Prime Minister was quite right last night to more or less refuse to answer any more questions about it. Is that likely to be the government's line now whenever they do media briefings every day? Well, I, I think, as you say, Dominic has made extremely detailed statement. He answered questions for almost an hour from every journalist who wanted to, um, to, to challenge him. And uh, to my mind, at least, I think that's the end of the matter and we need to, to move forward because there are so many important issues like the one we've just been discussing on rough sleeping, like track and trace, which the government's going to be moving forward with this week. And, of course, the reopening of parts of the economy, like non-essential retail that the prime minister uh, announced yesterday that we now need to focus on. And can you tell us anything finally, uh, Robert, about what's going on uh, with some of these testing kits that have been bought and some of the testing which is being done at the moment? Because there seems to be a bit of disquiet around various different types of the testings uh, that are being made available, like this antibody test from Roche Abbott, for example. Is that being made available to everybody as we speak? Um, I, I don't know about that particular test. We've obviously been uh, investing in antibody tests um, and preparing the capacity to be able to produce them at scale if a test is reliable. And we've said consistently that, of course, there's no point having a, a test which we can't be certain is uh, 100% or as close to 100% as possible in terms of reliability. And uh, we're not quite there yet with antibody tests. But as soon as we are, then we'll obviously roll them out at, at speed and the arrangements have been putting in place with some of the big labs in the country mean there's far more capacity now to produce those uh, tests and vaccines uh, if and when one is available domestically in the UK so that we're not reliant on international supply. OK. Robert Jenrick, thank you very much indeed. Housing Secretary, uh, Member of the Cabinet, of course. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 